I think that's the weirdest thing about interviewing people that you're friends with is because it's like, it's not organic conversation, really. Yeah. Like you want, Tell me about your mom. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you fucking know my mom. She's nuts. trying to like figure out why I like you <laughs> it was really hard and, to and, figure I, and you came up with nothing like, yeah I get it so my question is why do I like you but um, so I was thinking that you know life is a pretty crazy thing and I I grew up and I hated running hated running the most I would run is like away from someone who's chasing me or like crossing the street and avoiding a car. That's the most I've run. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, I'm sitting in a barbershop and I meet this guy who I immediately hate, like hated first sight, bad impression. Okay. And then a few years after that, I'm sitting in a chair, uh, getting a tattoo memorialized, memorializing this guy and the marathon that we just did. And here I am a little while after that, uh, talking to this guy about all that shit, <laughs> about all that shit. Can I say shit? Yeah, you can say shit. Of course. Um, and I was like, what, <laughs> how did this happen? So I don't know. How did it happen? Um, let's rewind to sitting in a chair in the barbershop. I don't think my feelings of hatred were so strong, but... I didn't I, hate you. I didn't I, hate you. It wasn't hated for a I was kind of intimidated by you. I, I saw this, like, fit dude come in who's, like... You have, like, a like a wise aura. Like, you, you have, like... You, you seem like you know a lot. You, the way you scan a room, I watch you look around, and you're like... Excuse me, I wouldn't say judging people but you've got judgy you're, eyes man you're you're looking in and you're like you're like assessing situations and yeah. people and 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 i do the same thing I'm, I'm a very good judge of character um and i think like seeing you do that and and seeing you vibe with everybody else in the shop maybe i was jealous maybe i was like well shit like this this guy is coming in and he's convincing all these dudes to work out at his gym and I'm fat. I should probably work out at this gym. So why can't I, you know, but he hasn't approached me about it. Cause he, he's talking with the other guys in the, in the shop. And, and so a couple of them went out and they're like, Oh, we had a great time. We worked out till we barfed. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't like barfing. I don't want to barf. <laughs> so at the time I was training for a half marathon and I was through the influence of our mutual friend, Chris Ritchie, who would ultimately, I think, be a big reason we actually met. Yeah. Um, Chris Ritchie told me that I couldn't, that that I could do a marathon, which which I or a half marathon, which I doubted in myself big time, and was very hard on me about it. But was also, I think, he kind of knew that that would influence me, to like push me to do it. And so he, we made a deal. He's like, if you give me three runs, I'll give you a pair of shoes. He was working for Nike at the time. It, it worked out. And so you, at that point, had probably come and gone from that barbershop. Like, you had moved on to the salon that you went to or wherever. You just you kind of stopped Yeah, it was a up. salon. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, proud of that. And, uh, yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and I get it. Like, that happens. That 
when especially when it's harder to book at a place or whatever, those guys stop going to your gym, yada yada. Right. You know, fast forward to me getting fired from that shop and that shop being you know, a toxic environment for me and I and 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 friendships changed and people people changed and it it became a really negative space for me and and I I wanted out, but I didn't want to leave on the terms that I left under. I wanted, to, I I think more than leaving, I wanted to patch things up because mm-hmm. I knew shit wasn't right. And I I'm I'm big on loyalty. Like I'm, as you know now, like I'm I'm I, I I'm loyal to a fault, and I would you know I would do anything for my friends. And so thinking that my friends could just walk away from me because there was cooler shit out there, there was more pe- people that they could take more advantage of, or people that you know like friendship for some of those people was like a convenience and 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 for me it wasn't that it would never be that it w- I don't need I don't want conveniences and fans I want I want friendship I want something that like loyal people who will do anything that I would you know and so I uh I was fired I got really I've always kind of battled with depression and I I got into a hole and and my my now wife was was like well fuck man like you should should do something physical like i think she was really saying like hey you look disgusting but she she was trying to be nice she's like you get something out of like you know i had i've always kind of dipped into fitness stuff like did muay thai when i was living in los angeles and i i've run here and there i got into cycling i was really into cycling and then i got a motorcycle and it was like well this thing does all the work for me and then so i i talked to sean killen another mutual friend and and i was like well like i'm i'm miserable man i'm like i'm like I'm, you know, going into a dark place. I'm, I'm fat. I'm, my diet's atrocious. And I was questioning kind of everything in my life. And, and so Sean was like, you got to meet Danny. He's like a guy that, that you will vibe with. And, and Chris Ritchie backed you up the same. He's like, no, seriously, like meet Danny. India, another mutual friend was like, was like, yeah, like she had been telling me as long as I had known her that I would love your gym. And before I even really knew her well, she's like, "Have you tried CrossFit? Like, you you should you should work out with Danny and and us at the gym." And that was, I think, probably second location for you. So this is like, I've been hearing about you for years. I've I've met you in passing, and it wasn't like a negative experience, but we just didn't click, and that was that. And so I told Sean, "Well, yeah, I met him. I don't think he likes me very much, and you know, we whatever." He's like, "I'll get him to talk to you." So I had set up a temporary barbershop in the backyard of Town Moto, and. You walked back to meet me, and my first impression of you was that you were very, you almost seemed nervous, but you were very, like, blunt and to the point, and you were there for business, and you wanted to sit there and go, you weren't trying to be my buddy off the bat at all, because, and I and I get that, that's cool, that's business, and you walked in, and you were like, hey, uh, you want to talk about this stuff, and I had booked off, like, the next hour of my day to, you know, between clients to, to talk to you about it, and you were like, let's get you on on a plan like what are you doing and i was like nothing i i, I can run a little bit and you're like oh, i hate running and i was like okay like, we don't do a lot of that in my gym and i was like okay and you're like well <laughs> we might do a lap around the gym but that's it and i was like okay cool well I, I i you know i've done some distance stuff i could see myself doing it um i just did a 10k with my dad and my brother and you were like oh yeah i i wouldn't do a 10k right now like i you know and uh and I said that you, yeah and you're like you're like how's your diet and i was like awful I love shitty snacks. Like I love cupcakes and I love, you know, all this stuff. And as I, everything that I said, I'll never forget your face. Everything I said, it was like I punched you in the gut. I was like, 
I was like, I, I like, I like cupcakes. And you're like, ooh, and, and I was like, you know, and I love tacos. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you were so because when you get into it, you were in a crazy diet at that point too. Like, I, I finally got out of you what you eat at that point. You were, I forget what diet you were doing, like. Because you're like a ongoing science experiment, you're always like figuring out what yeah, works totally best for true. you. Yeah, and still ongoing. Yeah, and and I I love that. And so when you told me you were like I I basically like I'm not eating a lot. I have a lot of liquid. And I was like, oh, I read about a guy on a liquid diet wants like protein shakes and all this shit. I was like, okay. And so you, I wrote down. I have the notes right here <laughs> no, from that meeting. Look at this. Um, it's pulling out in, a book in my book. Shut up. Um, I have notes that from from you telling me like okay, what to you, eat. You need to eat. Wow. Cooking. Use coconut oil, ghee, or butter. And I was like butter, and you're like yeah, yeah grass fed butter is the best. Supplements. You got you got fish oil, BCAAs, and I was writing this shit down, just like fascinated by how much stuff you knew. And and I was like okay, like I can use these things to to get my you know to get get a grasp on things. And I was eating fish, but I had been vegetarian for 14 years. And I was vegan for nine years, and I and so you're like, you, that's your diet. You're, you're you you eat fish, and I was like, yeah. You're like, you need to eat meat, and I was like, I've been thinking about it, but I don't think I'm ready for it. And you're like, well, you asked me what results I wanted. I told you, and you were like, but judging by the results you want, you need to you need to get into into meat. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll I'll consider it. And so I marinated on that for, I think about a month. Yeah, good and. Point. And I started coming to you with, in the mornings. You're like, just show up at 7 a.m. We'll do a class at 7 a.m. Excuse me. It'll be me, you, and Sean. You'll be comfortable. And I was like, I don't know about this. I, you know. And I went in, and I was intimidated. I'm not a morning person. I was intimidated. I walked in, and I, and, and, uh, I had been thinking about the diet thing, and I kind of reeled in a bunch of stuff, but I wasn't ready for chicken. And I started the first day, we started with, you're like, how's your squat? And I, and I, I was like, I, I don't know. I squatted and you were like, you got a great squat. And I was like, I thought you were just going to be like, you suck. You know, like you're, and, and that was when I was like, I'm going to be friends with this guy. Like he, cause he said something positive, like off the bat. He wasn't like, you need to work on that. Cause I've had guys like that try to tell me like through negative, you know, reinforcement that, that right. that's what's you know going to be gonna be where you're gonna go with it so i was like i man i don't know like i guess i could squat you know and you're like how's your can you do a pull-up i was like probably not you know i suck at body weight stuff how's your push-ups and so we went through the whole day and i left and i went home and danielle was like how was it and i was like it's really cool i'm gonna go tomorrow and i basically had to tell myself to get out of that hole i had to hang out with you every day because i knew that every day you were gonna tell me something positive and so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with this guy, but I'm going to make the gym like a social thing too, because I'm going to make, I, I see the way he, you know, acts with his, his clients and his community at the gym. And I, and I really respected that because it kind of reminded me of the barbershop, like all walks of life, all different people. And I was like, this is, this is where I'm going to go. And, and Danny and I are going to be friends. And, and I, I told Danielle the second day, I was like, I'm going to be friends with Danny like for a long time. And she's like, okay. And I was like, seriously, like that guy's like a mentor to me. Like he's going to be like a life coach. And she's like a life coach. Like yeah. you don't, you're never going to stop recording right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. She's like, you're not going to, you're not going to listen to a life coach. You're an asshole. Like you don't deal with that. And so, you know, as the relationship grew and we kept working out and I'd be like, 
um, we're going to hang out with Danny tonight. Like, Danny's going to come out for dinner. And she heard so much about you, but, like, she's like, are you, like, dating this fucking guy? Like, you're talking about him like he's your boyfriend. And I was like, I think he's awesome. You know, that's it. <laughs> and, uh, and so we kept, you know, I called Chris Ritchie. I thanked him for introducing us. And we kept going. And then I reconnected with Mike Krapika. And I've always had a, a thing with Mike where I've, like, looked up to him. I've always thought that if Mike was like, hey, man, like, you should you should go punch that wall. It'll make you feel good. I just punched the wall. Like, cause I it, he's always got like a a wise mm-hmm. you know like he he's a, a true leader without like forcing shit down your throat. And so he's a little bit older than me, but I you know I I knew him in fifteen years ago almost in in like the sneaker world. And I and I was I would see him around. And I was like that guy's got his shit together. Like he's got a good like corporate job, which I wanted nothing to do with, but I admired it and. And, uh, and you know, like he's, I saw him, so he, he saw me running one day and he came into the shop and he's like, so you've been running. And I was like, yeah, he's like, we got this thing, the mascot running crew, like running club, we sh- you should come out. And I came out a couple of times and I got a little bit used to it and I, and I dabbled in and out. And when I told you I wanted to keep running, I was like, we should, we should go with these, with these dudes. And so you and Sean and I, I think went yep. out to Parkdale and we made the introductions and you know did the run and there was a, it was like a small group then now it's insane but we like had this thing where we we could like all vibe off each other and and you invited mike to the gym and i was like oh cool like mike's coming like this is this mm-hmm. is gonna be cool because i still was like kind of fanning out on mike you know and and i fucking still do like he's you know he's like a big brother so but danielle should be jealous of mike not me yeah both really? both you i mean okay. I, got, I have like a weird love triangle um <laughs> No, like every, it's more of a square. It, it, it kind of like rounded everything out, right. you know, and and then Mike was also vegetarian at the time. He was vegan, and I came into the gym one day and and we roasted a chicken the day before, like found a good organic chicken and all this shit. And I was like, Mike, like I ate meat last night, and I told you, and you just hugged me. You were just like, welcome, you know, <laughs> my boy. And like, what what about beef? And I was like, no, I'm not ready for that, you know. And it was like probably another couple months later, but um, but Mike was like, you ate chicken. I was like, yeah, like, he's like, how was it? I was like, it was, it was awesome, you know? And I, I still had that guilt, like, the, I still get it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but I was like, this is, you know, what changed. And then as we continued to run, you hated running. I, I hated running. We both hated it. It was just something I, I felt like I had to do to kind of keep everything rounded. And, um, but Mike was like, what kind of kept us both going, I think, in, in that, in the running world. And, uh, and then, everything got got insane when I was opening the shop and I kind of fell off on everything again. And I didn't fall into the same hole that I fell into like with like depression or mentally or anything. I just got so busy and I wasn't sleeping and I, and I wasn't training and I felt like shit. And I started to look in the mirror and be like, discuss it again. And I went and met you guys and it was like, Hey, what's up with, uh, what's up with with working out and i was like oh man i'm like I'm, the shop's almost the shop's been open now like you know it's may and uh and somebody said you said to, you said to me i didn't get a bib for chicago because you and i had always talked about doing the chicago marathon because i love the city and and I, and I was like oh me neither ha 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 the joke was that i didn't apply for one and you did and uh macaron who works for nike was standing there and, and i was like it's a nike race can you get can you get us bibs? And he jumped in on me immediately. Was like, you know, typical 
Macron was like, oh, Hamilton, you couldn't run a marathon of it. And I was like, don't tell me what I can't do. Mm-hmm. And I saw your face light up, and you were like, oh, oh I knew exactly oh, what that man, just did. This is going. This yeah. is happening. And Mike was chiming in too, and and I was like, can you get me a bib? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I'll I'll, I'll bet you right now I could do a marathon. And he's like, no way. And so you were like, hey, before you change your mind, Pinky swear to me that you'll do it. And it wasn't about the pinky swear. It wasn't. I was like, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Shook your hand. Somebody took a photo of us pinky swearing. Subject changes. I'm like, what? I'm sitting there thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not ready for this. And Macaron chimes back in and goes, hey, well, do you have any idea what the 35-kilometer mark of a marathon feels like? And I was like, you're an asshole. <laughs> and everybody goes in on him. He's like, well, I'm just saying, like, it's a hard. And I was like fuck you dude fuck 35 oh, fuck all this like you can't tell me what i can't do and he's like let's put a wager on it and i was like okay he's like four hours or you buy me a dinner of my choice i'll sponsor you as an athlete full-on give you everything you need and i was like okay and you looked at me like so you were like vibrating you were so excited and uh and i think then you and i both realized how much we had to train coming up and you didn't at all <laughs> we're gonna get into that yeah we're and, then, that. Uh, and then uh and then and then he was like, like, yeah, okay, do it. And and somehow the, the bet got stretched and the, the wager was pushed to me doing under 345. I said 345, and he would have to get a tattoo of me blowing a kiss uh-huh. and giving the finger. And and, t- and technically you kind of won that bet. I won the bet, and he and he he pussied out. So I, so sure. I hope he's listening to yeah, this. Yeah, I, I do he, too. he owes you a tattoo. Um, he really does. And I'm, I understand that his wife-to-be put the... the, the the brakes on that one, but macarons a pussy. Yeah, this is broke um, code. And, uh, <laughs> and so, so they, so over the over, you know, if, if it was over four hours and one minute, I had to get a tattoo of him riding a unicorn wearing Air Max ones. And um, yeah, let's just let that sink in for a second. And so my okay. time was three forty five fifty six in the end. I won the bet. Fuck you, macaron. I sent him a picture of me giving the finger every single day of my training, and now everybody that I know that knows him. I had his new intern or one of his one of the guys that works with his company. He's like, uh, I gave him the finger as my introduction the other day, and I was like, this is going to continue forever. But yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, you got to you got to like elaborate on that. There was a group chat mm. between Macaron and and this F thirty five fuck thirty five group chat, and literally every day there was your middle finger. <laughs> Yeah. Showing up in odd places in this group chat. And I swear to God, that thing kept me going the entire six months. It was probably it was the only so reason I kept training. It because was. Because I was like, I can I can flip this guy off because, you know, whatever. That's yeah. it's it was like keeping me going and keeping me like motivated to to train was to, to flip him off. And he knew that. And he's honestly well, and, like, and he was awesome. He dude as, he, as like a as like an inspiration, mm-hmm. that guy knows how to motivate people like he knows who how to like push your buttons to get you to do something or encourage you to do something and and i i commend him for it because on paper he's everything i hated growing up he's a hockey player i got beat up by hockey players my whole yeah. life he he's he's like he's kind of like a broy hockey player but with a heart of gold but, he, but yeah but i it's like everything cancels out all that right. shit because he's a dude like yeah. he he can hang and he's and he's like a good genuine person and mm-hmm. on paper i would if you were like oh you're going to be friends with, with a, a pro hockey player who's going to make you do a marathon. I'd be like, fuck off. I, I hated all yeah. that growing up. But he's been, he was such a good, like, 
kick in the ass, and he knew it, and that's why he motivated me like that, and I'll forever respect him for it. I think it's awesome. Well, and and that's why I started this with Life's a Crazy Thing, because, you know, I have friends that I didn't think I would have, and to my defense, the people that I don't like on first sight have all become my best friends. (laughs) Like, I don't think, like, Danielle rubbed me the wrong way, so I don't know what that says about my judgment, but it's amazing. Maybe, you know, I'm kind of like a cat that way. I guess you gotta earn my love. That's interesting, though. It's it's funny. It's it's, it's such a common theme in my life where, yeah, if I I just don't like you at first, for some reason I end up, uh, you know, just becoming best friends. So, that's kind of one of the things I wanted to ask you about. When you were hearing about me, um, Oh, there's some, <laughs> when you were, when you were, you know, being told about me and the, and the Academy and, you know, by Sean and all these people, India, at the same time, I was hearing about you Uh-oh. from all those same people. And I kept on hearing about Hambo and Hambo and this, Hambo and that. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. And I remember meeting you again. This was probably the second time at that, uh, first barbershop at the back of town moto in Ossington, mm-hmm. which was maybe the first outdoor barbershop in Canada almost at the time. Yeah. Seasonal seasonal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we'll get into that. And, and you were just starting, you were starting a new business. Like you said, you just gotten fired and that was a pretty traumatic experience, but here you were starting up again. And I immediately went from not liking you to loving you. And just, I, I could see that you were just like, so friendly and kind which you know straight up from a dude that looks like you 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 know you don't always assume people who uh, are covered head to toe in tattoos and uh i know i've been in you know a few fights here and there you don't assume they're gonna have a heart of gold and i was like oh this this guy's pretty cool and i kept on hearing things you'd always tell someone by their friends right if their friends speak highly and 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 their friend you know if, if you have a lot of friends you know that person's a good dude and since i've known you that has been the universal quality it's the thing actually that you life coach me on because you're so good to people. Anytime I need something, you're always the first one to offer a, you know, a car or help, whatever. And I love that about you. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool quality to have. And, you know, you spoke about loyalty, loyalty is everything, especially in a world now that, you know, people just aren't loyal. They, they flip flop everywhere. It, 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 it seems that way. Yeah. Right. So and I just, I just think, you know, hearing you talk and the different people that you associate with who are, you know, now a lot of my really good friends, it's, it's, it's amazing to, uh, to, to, to be there with such good people who are working really hard in this city to, to make something, uh, for their lives, but also their community. So you're okay. We're sitting here now in the back of your, uh, new barbershop, which is not outdoors. No. And, you know, and, and when I met you for that second time in the Talmoto barbershop you were you were just like you were still struggling a lot of shit was going on yeah i yeah i mean i lost all my clients and i was really just trying to figure out how to like fall and land on my feet like i was fired two weeks before a two-week vacation yeah so everybody that i and your had, motorcycle got run over the same oh day my God, yeah. it was just a that shitty time fucking shitty 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 couple of days and it's always like that with me i think when it rains it pours when it when yeah. when something starts to go wrong with me everything goes at once and I really get bogged down. And I think that I never saw the return on that. I never saw the like, well, shit, how come when it goes right, it's only one little thing. And so 
when I met you and I was like, everything, everything kind of fell into place the, the opposite. Like it was like, met you, got on the, the, the road to better health and like had a new friend that was like a, instantly like a brother. Like, like I, I vibe, I could have told you anything day one. Cause I was like, this is somebody that I trust and I, and I know I have no reason not to. And I, you know, even with friends in the, in the past I've, that I've had like kind of weird gut feelings about and ignored, it's burned me and that mm-hmm. sucks. And I, and there hasn't been one ounce of that in anything of, of like, or anybody that I've met through you, you know, it's like, it's like if you, when you know, you know, right. And I, and I think that meeting people that, you know, you can really look up to and, you know, in, in everything too, like business, like, you know, watching the way you run your business is like, I've never met anybody that works as hard as you. It's, it's kind of annoying. Like you don't Thanks. even have, it, I mean, <laughs> I, I take it as a compliment because yeah. it really is. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's like looking at the way you, you turn the notifications off on your phone to be more productive. is like, I can't get, I'm way too hyperactive and, and distracted. Oh, you're saying this now, that. but I don't think you were so happy about it. Oh, it drives me nuts, <laughs> but I respect it Thanks. for sure. It, it kills me. It killed kill me this afternoon. I was, I was trying to text you for your hair appointment. I was like, he's not going to respond to me until I see him tonight. And it's like, but I know he's grinding, like he's doing yeah. work. And that's, that's something that that's a quality that I wish I had because I, I let shit pile up and then I go, Oh man. And I try to catch up and I, I really like shuffle through it all. So like I've, I've learned a lot, you know, and it, and it's like that all that stuff got better all at once, you know, everything kind of fell into place with like health and happiness. And, and I became a, a very different and better person. Very, excuse me, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think like all things like leading up to, Chicago and that and that marathon like that marathon was amazing and it was like a groundbreaking thing in my life but I think it was also just everything that surrounded it you know like every little bit of that as like a conquest to do was like was like getting me to a better place like man even the fact that when you know being in Chicago I went down a few days early staying with Nicolella like that dude is like an older brother to me he was the reason I realized I couldn't stay at that other shop. Like he was, he was the second I met that dude, I was like, I am in the presence of a guy who's an older brother figure that I never had. Who's like this, this genius in, in his own right with, with business and like an absolute legend in, in what he does. Like I'll never be a tattooer, but I respect what he's done for that tattoo community. He's just, he's old school. He's, he comes from, you know, the punk rock world, just the, you know, generation before mine, which I really looked up to and admired. And, and he's got stories, he's got, he's got charisma. And he's like, he's that guy that everybody is around because he's, he's like this leader in this, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could spend a I spend so much time just driving in his car, going to fucking home Depot to pick something up. And I'm like, I'm learning from this guy because he's, he's a legend, you know? And so that was part of that. What, what does he trip. do? What does he do to inspire you? He, like, owned, he, he told me a few stories about Chicago and a mobster and all this stuff. But you know, beneath that story, there was some interesting points. There was there was like you know, family, community, loyalty, all well, that, that stuff. So he owns a shop called Great Lakes Tattoo, mm-hmm. and um, it's probably the nicest tattoo shop I've ever been. I've in. been there. It's amazing. Yeah, and it, it's and beautiful. It's, it's it's just beautiful, and it's like when you walk into his shop, going up the stairs, it says "Ain't no half stepping," and <laughs> and that's like you know old school 
hip hop mentality and and that's his mantra and it's like if you look at everything he does he has the most perfect family I've ever met in my life like his wife is like just watching the way she deals with her their kids are the coolest kids I've ever met they're I wish I I you know if I ever have kids I I hope they're one ounce like any of those kids you know like I know that the way they parent is so next level in making this perfect life for everybody. And I think that that's seeing the grand scheme of things that like, like, or sorry, seeing the, the big picture and the way that they, they kind of conduct everything. It's all calculated and they don't skip any corners. Like since I was there, Nick has lost like 80 pounds. He weighs the same as me now. And, and you met him like, he wasn't a big dude. He wasn't like a fat guy, mm-hmm. but he, he's like he looks like a completely different person it's insane and and i i think about the hard work that he put in because he doesn't cut those corners and he busts ass and he really really goes with it and his wife look amazing like they both just like found this this thing that i found and 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 was so important to to like find that health and 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 you know better your life like that i mean he was really strict with diet he was really getting into being strict with diet when i was there and he lost a bunch of weight before that but like you know that was a big part of that race was that I was that it was Chicago and that I could go down and spend time with with their family and they welcomed me with open mm-hmm. arms like I you know I stayed in their basement and like you know having a house guest for a week sucks yeah especially some asshole who's gonna run and then not be able to walk for four days like you know it was <laughs> still maybe <laughs> yeah seriously yeah and one so, foot still a little bust yeah so so like it like you know they like I really just looked up to that and and I think it was just part of that experience where. I was, you know, I ran with a team of four dudes that was, you know, I, I wish you could have stuck with it, but I was so determined to hit that goal and you were just taking the run to take the run. And I, yeah. and I respected that too. I, I felt horrible leaving you at that starting line, but I knew that if I didn't hit that time for macaron, I knew that I had to do it and I wouldn't stop at anything. If I, if my legs broke while I was running, I was going to drag myself through the finish line to beat that time. But running with, you know, Matt, like little Matt, who I fucking love. Like the guys of he's, he's like, he laughs at everything and being around people like that just makes you feel funny. And I am far, far from funny. He'll make make any situation better. Exactly. And, and you know, and another guy like seeing him parent, it's just like, it's like an inspiration, but him, Macaron and Mike, like Mike, like Mike could say nothing that whole run. And I'd, I'd be like, Oh God, I got to do this for Mike, you know? Mm -hmm. And there was a time when, I didn't realize how much pain I was in until I heard Mike in pain. And it was like, you know, 400 meters left. And I heard we hit that corner that was the uphill, the only uphill in the whole fucking yeah. race. And I heard Mike go, oh. And I was like, oh, no, if Mike's going to die, I'm dead. I'm to- I'm already dead. And I'm like <laughs> yeah. floating. And I, I think that the whole thing leading up to like, I never experienced runner's high ever until I crossed the finish line and my legs stopped running and all the blood rushed out of my head and I was like, I'm going to black out. I don't do drugs. So I don't know what that feeling is. That's the closest thing I can, ex- I can explain to, to, to being high. And I was like, Whoa. And everything kind of flashed around. And I thought about my wife and I thought about my, my, my friends that got me to that point. I thought about you still in the course. And I was like, I want to run back and find Danny. And then I was like, yeah, you, know, you would, you would I, have to run along. Cause way. then I had another half marathon again. Yeah. So I was like, what am I going to do here? And then, you know, I thought about, like Nick and his family, my brother flew down to surprise me. And that was like, 
you know, my brother and I, our relationship has been, has been kind of up and down in, in some aspects of, of, you know, I think when we work together in business, it, it kind of, sh- you know, shit on our relationship a little bit and seeing him on the sidelines, I just started weeping. I was like mm-hmm. bawling my eyes out while I was running. And, and so thinking like, okay, now I got to find him at the finish line. Everything made Chicago so special that, you know, I could walk around with you for four days, like, you know, seeing, seeing you and Nat at the, at the hotel downtown, like coming back downtown and hanging out with you guys. It was like, everything was, was so cool to be with those people in a city that I loved and eat shitty food and like walk around. It was like, I didn't have a care in the world. The only thing I would have changed was having Danielle there. And that was like, you know, I understood that she, you know, she couldn't be there and, and, and I get it, but it was like, it was just so important to, to, to do that, that I think it kind of like rounded out mm-hmm. the whole, not that I ever needed anything to solidify our friendship, but it was like, okay, this it's reasons like this, that I met these people and that I, and that I built the relationships that I did with these people and, and I'll forever have, you know, those, those times. And so obviously when you got that tattoo, I was just like, <laughs> uh, well, let, let me tell you, cause I've, uh, I've vivid memories of that experience, just like you crossing that finish line for me. I mean, I was, I was relieved that it was over. I was happy. It was my third marathon. I never thought I would do one, but when I found out that you had finished it in three forty five, which is a ridiculous time, uh, to do your first marathon and especially someone like you like you're not you know like let's let's just i'm a husky real. dude you're a husky guy uh you're a great squatter a great power lifter <laughs> you immediately uh you know could uh throw the plates on the bar and lift them running you know biologically physiologically you weren't built for it and i know what kind of a beating it takes for you to run i know also how hard it is for me to run yeah. a time that is not even near that so when i heard that you had done 345 it, like i i don't cry <laughs> and i say yeah. this a lot but fuck man i may have because i i've never had a brother right yeah. and i i don't know what it's like to feel that pride yeah but i felt it i i i, I just couldn't believe that you had accomplished it and you know my mind went back to that pinky square pinky square six months ago yeah when you had a couple more chins <laughs> I got the photo to prove. Yeah, we'll put we'll put that on the podcast yeah. episode because it's uh, it's great. Yeah, and and you know what? Seriously, uh, and, and I'm saying this not to you know make you blush, but I I'm that was a big turning point in my life. Like I said, I had done a couple of marathons before, and I kind of just showed up and did them. I was you know, hey, fuck it, it's just a marathon, right? I I'm um, I'm fit enough. I can get my body through any challenge. Yeah. But you 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 prepared. You ran those long runs. You did uh, you did those kilometers. And I remember being on a run with you. This is like one of the most endearing things um, that's ever happened. That uh, you know that I've seen. We were running a Sunday, and I think it was like in the middle of a 35k. It was your longest run prior to Chicago, and you were freaking out. You were freaking out. And I said, man, why are you freaking out? You just did the hardest race. Running 35 alone with no cheer squad, with no medals at the end, um, you know, hot and tired and hurt, that's your marathon. When you get to Chicago, it's going to be a victory lap. And 
that that moment kind of changed me because I realized you put in the work. And that was something for running and me. Like I never really put in that consistent work that you did. And I never realized that that's where it was at. So right after Chicago, for the first time ever, I went on my marathon training program. And I set it to, um, to my birthday. So I knew that the next marathon I run would be on my birthday. Yeah. And that was because of you. Because I was like, man, Chris... Chris smoked my time. I just showed up like an asshole thinking, yeah, fuck it. I'll just run. And you actually did all the work. And, and you know, you were, you were starting a business. Your wife was starting a business. You had so much going on. You're planning a wedding, but you still put in those kilometers. And I'll tell you, man, that inspired me more than any coach I've ever trained with, any YouTube video I've ever seen, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. Like that, <laughs> that inspired me more than anything and literally is the reason why I've decided to actually you know, train for my running. And, and that was because of you. And, and I didn't expect that to happen. But I think there's something to be said of people who just put in work yeah. and don't expect to show up. Because I, you know, I know I can always figure my way out of things, but there's just something about that preparation that I, I just really respected. I, I think like in seeing all that, so to, from my perspective in that, I was busting my ass. Mike printed out the, the, the yeah. training program. He's like, stick to this and you'll do fine. And I was struggling. Like you and I did a couple long runs with Juice. I never thought, I haven't seen Juice run to the fridge for a beer. Like I would have never thought that he'd be a runner <laughs> now. And he, excuse me, he's still killing it. And it's, it's awesome. And so, you know, doing those Sunday morning runs, like literally around the entire city with you was awesome because I did so much of that alone. And, and that was when I was really starting to doubt myself. And I would see you pick up at like, you know, you do a 20K with me. And I'd be like, okay, Danny's going to he's gonna do this training. And I knew that you could do a marathon with no training. And I knew that I couldn't. Well, you know, my, in, in the words of Hal and Wolf, my dad said, you're built for comfort, not built for speed. And it's totally <laughs> true. Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. So I had to work for it. I had to shed a shitload of weight and and really get my legs strong and i and so knowing that when you started actually training for this upcoming marathon like what's next i was like danny's gonna destroy that because anything you do you you do 100 you're like me like like if i i don't i can't get one tattoo i gotta i'm gonna tattoo my whole head and you know, my wife will leave me, but, um, <laughs> but I want to like you seeing you with your diets, you stick to a, the most strict. You never committed to those, to those training runs on previous marathons because you knew you could do it. When you said, I'm going to crush a time or I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, set out to actually try to do this. Watching you training this cycle is last night. I was dying trying to keep up to you at the, you know, seven kilometer mark. I was like, I, I can't like coming back from that from the run I was like I am so slow now my foot's bothering me but I'm I, it's not even that it's just like I could feel how strong your legs were running beside you you were you were and you were slowing down for me I could feel it you were pulling ahead and I was gassing and then we hit the the hill on Gladstone and it was just like I'm I can't do this you know I'm, <laughs> I'm not here again but I want to be back I want to be like back into it and I think I'll do a couple of runs on this this California trip but I, I, I really do need to set another goal of a race if, if I can get my foot back in, in, in track on track. And I think, I think it'll probably be new Orleans. Cause I would love to, I would love for everybody to go down there and have a good time. It's Halloween weekend. I think it would be a perfect 
thing to, to do. And, you know, um, I hope I can, I, I can do a half. I don't think I'll ever do another full. I'm not built for it, man. Like I, having that 345 is yeah. cool. If you, I you got, say that, but you probably if I got four hours on my next one, <laughs> I would be pissed because I I know I can yeah. could have done better, and so I think maybe like kind of quitting while I'm ahead of myself, I'll probably stick to that. We'll see how this half goes, and then we'll call it. <laughs> well, this is what I love about you because we uh, Mike and I were talking about doing Berlin. Oh yeah, and so <laughs> when they when they let you register uh, for that marathon, you could register individually or as a team of three. So. We, we, it was just like an hour before the deadline and I I think I texted you or I called you and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't want to tell you this, but I felt like if I didn't, I would be a worse friend. We're putting a team together for Berlin. <laughs> do you want in? And this is after you said you'd never do another race again. And you were just like, ah, ah, fuck it, okay. <laughs> like you would do anything. I was at for- the shop and I, and I remember <laughs> Matt, Matt my, my manager was like, what? what was that? I was like, I think I... I think I just fucked up so bad. And he's like, what? I was like, I think I just committed to do the Berlin Marathon. And he's like, what? And he's like, you were just telling your last client how much you hate running now. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, God, I can't train like that again. I'm not going to do it. And then when we didn't get in, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so relieved because I'm not ready for that. I can maybe – I'll do a half this year for sure. I'll do a few 10Ks. But I need to start lifting weights again or something. I need to not. Like running is, yeah, it's hard on my body. You know what? It, 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 it kills my body too. Like there's a lot of, um, it's a lot of things you have to endure with running. And, but what I've liked about, it, I've talked to Mike about this many times. It's a passport, right? You get to go to Chicago with your friends. Yeah. You get to go to New Orleans. It's an excuse. You know, a lot of people will go to these places to, to drink, party, uh, gamble, whatever. We don't do any of those things, right? Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we abuse our bodies in different ways. What, what's interesting is that you've traveled, so much I mean you've tour managed the biggest bands in the world and you're going out on tour again with one of the uh, one of the biggest acts in, in the world still right and you know so you, you've, you've been around yeah. and now you're kind of still doing the same thing through running but wh- why you know what is what is what is life like on the road for you do you is it something you love hate like what's your relationship with that life um, when I when I was a a kid like a like a teenager and i and i was started going to punk shows and like getting involved with the music scene and seeing how accessible the musicians were and the lifestyle was and like you know you anybody can start a band a punk Mm -hmm. band and some of them make it some of them don't but they can all do something you just have to put the work in and i and i always admired that i remember like looking up side stage and seeing um a, a a guy that he sang in a he sings in a band called H2O and his his name's Toby Morrison he's, and he he was like the guy that I was like I want to be like that guy I want to I want to be the guy standing on the side stage while a band while a cool band's playing and then I want my cool band to you know play and like I, I like the way he dressed was cool like he's a sneakerhead and he's like he just had a cool style and I and I really like looked at him and I was like that that guy's that guy's he's got it he's he's the guy and fast forward you know I was touring with his band like that he's he's like a big brother to me as well and 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 knowing him and like the way it was was like okay this guy was my idol now he's my friend and and that's so cool that that was accessible so when i started to kind of get involved with the with the scene and got offers to tour i was a kid like i was a a straight up kid and i my first band i toured with was goldfinger and they offered me a job and i went out and uh 
the drummer threatened to fire me because he said he hated my guts and I was fucking annoying and I punched too many people and I was like, I was just a shithead kid and I'd be fired in a week and whatever and I smartened up that day and I learned a hard lesson that day. By the end of that tour, he and I were very, very close and um, and so I, I realized that, I, I mean, traveling wasn't traveling. Like that wasn't a life that like, you know, I would be in England with, good charlotte and the only time i could actually take the time to hang out with my friends and see the city was like you know three three four a.m till eight a.m and then i didn't sleep and so i'm screwed for the next day so it's like you're not traveling on tour you're you get a day off you want to sleep in a hotel room you want to call somebody you care about and so when i met danielle i had just committed to a a bunch of future time with with alexis on fire and i was like yeah i'm in and I met Danielle and I was like, the only way I'm going to marry this girl, this is a girl of my dreams. I, I, this is everything I ever wanted in a woman. And, and I, I've done it. I met her and she, and she, I think she digs me. So I told the guys, I was like, I'm out. I'm, 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 I'm going to quit. And, um, they understood Dallas knew her from growing up. I was like, yeah, she's, she's a babe, like make it happen. And, and so I, I tried to transition into real life. And that was like trying to figure out a job. I tried everything, man. Anything that went by me, I was like, could I be a garbage man? Could I be a, you know, a personal trainer? I thought about everything. I wanted to be a masseuse, but my hands cramp up. I'm like, you know, like every little thing. I was like, could I do this? Could I do that? And when I had a buddy who was like, I, I, I want to open a barbershop and I, I helped him open it. And then I realized that that was the job for me because it kind of felt like tour and it felt like being in a spot that's like, you know, it's always changing. Everything's around, but it's kind of always the same. And now I get to sleep in my own bed. And so I missed traveling because I loved the food aspect. I'm big, I love food. And so, you know, you tell me, Hey, I'm going to Atlanta. I'll tell you right away, go to soul Veg. It's my favorite restaurant out there. Like I'll, I'll know like different cities by their food. That's all I cared about on the road because I wasn't experiencing, you know, I didn't get to go to that, you know, the bridge in St. Louis, but I went to awesome restaurant, barbecue restaurant in St. Louis that I knew I could count on every time. And so that, that was where it was. And so I think that taking that, that mentality with, with like running with like the marathon thing, I was more excited to eat at Ocheval after the marathon than I was to run the marathon because I know Chicago has got some amazing food. I've had some of the best meals of my life there. And so I think that like the motivation of, the reward and the food is is good because that was the part of traveling that made me comfortable. Seeing my friends and eating the food and and I, I, I do miss tour, man. Like I like crazy. Like I you know, City in Color, Dallas keeps asking me to to come out on these little runs and you know, having been able to do Canada two years ago just in a bus full of buddies was the best. And so I'll, I'll probably do it this year. If I can figure out a way to, to get away from work for a few weeks and not worry about my clients getting pissed off or my, or my, my staff getting pissed off, I'm going to do it again because I'm able to like be on vacation without, but I'm still working cause I have mm-hmm. to be working cause I'm neurotic, but I have so much fun just like looking up on a stage and seeing one of my best friends crushing it every night. And, and uh, you know, I dig his music and I, and that all that shit aside, like being around juice, juice is like my, my, what we call him our son when he lived with us. And it was like watching him grow into like this happy, he was the complainer. He was the miserable bum out dude. 
excuse me, now he like runs. He's got a amazing girlfriend that he loves. And it's like, it's like, I see my friends all doing awesome shit and I'm so inspired. And you know, I'm not inspired every day to, to see Dell because he's out on tour. But when I can go and experience it, like seeing him in New Orleans with my dad a couple months ago, I was like, yeah. this is amazing. This is still going on. And this is still, you kept that dream. If I, I probably wouldn't have quit touring for Danielle or whatever, had it have been my band, but none of my bands ever made it. So, you know, I, I go down and I visit friends that were idols and I meet and I shake hands with dudes that, you know, I look at on the stage and I, and I hold the utmost respect for. And, and then I, and then I'm able to like, to schmooze and shake hands and mm-hmm. laugh and it's all so accessible. But I, I do, I do miss that. I miss, I miss being on the road. And sometimes I, I think about it like being in a barbershop, I get a lot of friends coming through on tour cause you need a haircut. And I'll get like a little snip of like, you know, my, my buddy Jared coming through and tell me about the, oh, I'm touring with this band and that. And my buddy Anthony will we'll, we'll stop in and he's like, he, you know, he's out doing it and he's kind of bitter and jaded now. But I remember that dude's first tour and he was a 17 year old shithead and we made him bitter and jaded. And it's like that world will make or break you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not something anybody gets to experience, man. I dropped out of high school. I don't have an education that like you know, that you can just go to school and get, but I have experience that nobody can buy and you can't not. And most people couldn't do or would, or would never have the opportunity to do. Well, and and this is the thing. Uh, I think knowing how to be good to people and being a great friend will give you the best education possible. And I mean, it allows you to get people to help you and also learn from them. It's interesting that, well, two things are interesting. One is, as you were talking, uh, you seem to turn everyone around you into a runner. <laughs> that's so, not. That's, so that's a social thing. So fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my knee hurts. Like, yeah. and that's all your fault. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's interesting at your job. I mean, it's it's kind of like the tour comes to you on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah. And and you know you get to access. And I know this about the academy. And my job is that I love learning about people's hidden lives you know they walk in and you don't you know you have to like you know take them at face value but when they start to open up and you get to know them and their character it's really fun to learn about that and also just the different relationships and connections you make the business arrangements the bartering it's it's pretty fun right yeah it's the best because that's like that's like it's it's such an old school thing to be able to like very old school like to like trade you know yeah like i don't give a shit about money man i'm not i'm not rich i'll never be rich I'm not broke and I can eat and, yeah. and well as your life coach I mean I'm gonna have to <laughs> tell you to but, get rid of that attitude but I love the idea of like oh you know like I can I could trade you know this oh, the, I put a thing on my Facebook yesterday saying I need a stereo yeah. and somebody was like how about a couple of haircuts cool I traded haircuts for an espresso machine for my shop like I love that shit and I just love the experience man I get people that you know I don't get to see and, and the other thing is like I don't care if, if if you're my friend and you come to another barber in my shop, I don't give a shit. If you go to another barber shop, I don't give a shit. But if you're my friend and you don't poke your head into my shop now and again and say hi, that sucks. And that's and that's when I take it personally. And that's when I feel like, you know, if I was on tour and I was in your city, I'd stop in and say hi to you or I'd invite you to the show and I'd say, hey, you know, I want to catch up. and I want, and, and that's the important parts of relationships. And I think that being able to, like you said, bring the tour to you is like, it's cool, but, but it does sometimes get a little stagnant and that's where I'm able to 
travel to Chicago for a marathon, go and help these guys on the speed project this weekend. Like it, like things like this are, are, I, I stay, I stay young, you know, mm-hmm. I'm never going to get old because yeah. I would, I look at my dad my dad's like, a, I was going to say your dad, kid, man. Like he's, yeah. my dad's like my spirit animal. Like he, I look at him and he's like, he's, he's like a buddy. He's always been that. I don't think he knew how to be a dad. I think he was like, Hey, let's be friends. I'm going to be friends with this, this thing that just, you know, we just made. So, (laughs) so it was like, you know, loyalty and like all those, those friendship values that was totally unintentional. It was, it was just being raised by a good dude. And when I, when I got into punk rock and I saw all those values coming out and it was like, man, like these are this, I can relate to this. This is all stuff I was raised on. So, you know, you keep on saying to me, and, and I think you've said it here a couple of times, you were kind of a shitty kid. Yeah. So you probably weren't, but let's say you were. How did you go from a shitty kid to this guy right here, who I consider to be one of the most inspirational, successful people I've ever met? I, mean, I met a lot of people. And, um, you know, but, but seriously, I'm not just like, you know, saying, saying this, you, you know, and, and I, I judge success in a whole yeah, bunch yeah, of yeah. different ways, but I think, uh, that means you, a lot. No, it's, it, you know, but, but how does. did that happen? Cause you know what, to, you know, what, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is just to spend an hour and a bit with you. Yeah. Number one. And, um, and, but also like, I just never would ask you this question cause it, you know, maybe it's a little corny, but how did you go from there to here? Cause I don't know what happened. Um, when I say I was a shitty kid, I was like, hyper- like you got in some trouble. Uh, yeah, totally. Right. And and my parents like some interesting trouble too because you were telling me the other day that you like I mean you, you know you were committing crimes but for the right reasons like you were you were at like you know you were protesting skinheads and, well, like and beating racist up racists. Yeah, yeah. Like right? we, I like mean, you, you've had a pretty interesting past. It was like yeah. I mean, it was all very like value driven. I think like I I I um. When I say I was a shitty kid, like way young, I was like, I was hyperactive. I was fucking getting in fistfights. I was acting out. I was probably bored now that, you know, to, to like analyze it as an adult. It was like, you know, I got my IQ tested when I was very young and my mom brags like a maniac that like, oh, it's so high and you're in this 99th percentile of this. And it's like, okay, cool. I I don't give a shit about that. That's intelligence is is how you use it too you know and mm. i was wasting it i was the kid who was getting in a fist fight at recess or you know or for there was a there was one year where i got bullied really really bad and i got so sick of it that that my dad i was getting picked on by hockey players and i i hated hockey i hated hockey players i was in a split five six class like fifth grade and sixth grade and all the older dudes were picking on me and my dad was like okay look we need to send you, to, you know, guy tough. You know, lacrosse is tougher than hockey. We'll go check out lacrosse. I watched a guy get basically paralyzed in in a, in, a, in a lacrosse hit, and I was like, Dad, I don't I don't want to do that. He's like, Okay, we'll just teach you how to punch. So I I figured out how to hit back, and I never I never started a fight ever. My dad was like, He's like, Don't let don't hit somebody first. Let them touch you, and then you have grounds to, to hit back. So That's good fatherly advice. Yeah, totally. And so there was this kid, Adam Tignanelli. Your father, by the way, is like a hundred pounds. Oh, my dad's like a hundred pounds soaking wet, and he's like he's like this little bop around like blues dude, you know, like the most the most like positive hippie dude. But he also doesn't take shit, and he's like, you know, he's tough as nails for a little dude. He is. 
I'm still scared of him, sort of. Um, but, but you know, he told me, like, don't let, don't, you know, let them hit you first. And so I walked by Adam Tignanelli in the hall, and, uh, and I kind of, like, reached my hand out so that Adam brushed my hand, and then I just jumped on him. And I didn't stop punching him until the principal pulled me off. And sorry, then, sorry, what did he do? Uh, he picked on me a lot. Okay, he was and a bully. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah so right. he was bullying me, and, and we were like, you know— and I, he and I became really good friends after this. Like he, like he was, yeah, I haven't, well, man, I haven't spoken in probably 20 years, but like he, he was like, I think he respected that I fought back. He bounced my face off a portable one. So I had a black eye picture day and it was like just bad, you know, like bad vibes through, through all that. And so I was lighting fires and I was, you know, causing trouble and stealing shit and like, you know, doing graffiti. And then it, you know, like as I got older, it was like, the funny thing is that I saw all my friends. I hung out with a lot of older people, and they were all screwing up with, with drugs and alcohol. And so I saw that, and I was like, I'm going to try getting drunk really young. I was like 13, and I got wasted and smoked weed and, you know, do what kids did, but probably way too young. And I was like, I really like this. But everybody I know that's older is getting in trouble. And like, like real trouble. Like when I, I was getting in trouble, I was getting suspended. I was getting in trouble at school. I was getting, my parents never really grounded me. They just, my mom would yell at me. My mom was like the iron fist. My dad was like, whatever, don't, you know, don't, don't fuck up anymore. So I, I saw this shit and I was like, all these dudes are, are really blowing it. They're getting in serious trouble. Like, you know, um, I never want, I didn't want to go to jail. And I was like, I don't want to go to juvie. I can't drink. And I lost a friend in an accident um, she, the driver was high and, and wrapped the car around a tree and killed three girls and, and the three dudes lived. I was 15 and, uh, I didn't get in a car for a month after that and, and on any capacity, I was terrified. But at that time I had already found straight edge and straight edge was the, the music scene where, you know, I took pride in not drinking, smoking or doing drugs. And so for a 14 year old kid to be self-aware enough to not do that stuff was one thing, but then to to somehow stumble into this scene in a shitty hockey town, Kitchener, Ontario, that was like, you know, there's there's no like Kitchener's like a I will get bullied for being straight edge. I got bullied for being vegan. I got my ass kicked for having a fucking blue mohawk walking through an Oktoberfest parade by a bunch of drunk jocks because I looked they called me a fag and they beat me up and so I took a, a hard stance with like you know, a lot of my friends were skinheads, but most skinheads aren't racist and most racists aren't skinheads. So I was, we, I joined anti-racist action, this like really heavy, um, you know, sort of militant, uh, activist group that was, as a global thing. It still exists. And we ran the Nazis out. There was a huge Nazi problem in Kitchener, Germantown, um, we, we ran the Nazis out of Kitchener and it was awesome. I took a lot of pride in like, I got a lot of fights and it was like, man, I turned being a bad kid, like a violent kid into like fighting shitty people. And so I didn't see anything wrong with that. I remember my dad dropping me off at, to see that band H2O. And I saw my friends out front of the, the, the lyric in, in Kitchener, the venue. And it was the day before my 16th birthday. And, uh, I walked out of my dad's Volvo, I ran across the street, and I full-on haymakered a 30-year-old man. And I was half his age, and I laid this dude out on the street, and all my friends stomped him. And I, he was like the biggest 
neo-Nazi in Kitchener. And I still don't know if my dad saw it. I'm pretty sure he like looked at me and just kind of drove off because I was with a bunch of older dudes. But I never thought that was like, if I went to, if I got busted for that, like I got, I got busted for, for fighting a bunch of Nazis in, in school. I hit a kid in the face with a skateboard repeatedly. We put two guys in the hospital. Um, he, he, they were full blown racists. They were like walking around with swastika pins and it erupted in this huge fight. And the cop, it was a black cop. And I think that's the only reason I didn't, I didn't get busted, <laughs> but he's like, what, what happened? And I was like, Oh, he had a swastika pin on and I tried to take it off his jacket and he grabbed my face. So I punched him back and I hit him with a skateboard and then I kept going and he's like, he what? And the cop was basically trying to get me to say that he touched me first. And so I was like, Oh, this isn't bad. This isn't, this is, this is doing good. This is doing good for the community. I'm driving these shitty people out. Like, you know, I had no time for racists and homophobes. And, you know, I, I, I had seen some of that stuff in, in family members that I was like, man, I don't want to hang out with you. Like you're, this is like hate mongering, you know? And, and so I, I, I really like cracked down on all that stuff. And I was like, I, I, I became like very socially aware. And I think that being the violent kid and using it for good, I almost felt like a superhero, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that it really like, I, as I told you before, like anything, anything I got into, I got into a hundred percent. And so it was like, Oh, let's go to Toronto and watch a kid throw a firebomb at Ernst Zundel's house. It was like, I thought that was cool. I didn't know how, like, tell me now I'm a 34 year old man, like, you know, 15 year old kids throwing Molotov cocktails. I was like, that's heavy. That's crazy. You know, like I would have gotten in a lot of shit just for being there, you know, being at a house and watching a sawed off shotgun come out to go to a fucking Nazi rally. I was like, that was when I was like, okay, guns. No, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I saw this dude put a duffel bag of guns on a table and I was like, see ya the punk house that I was staying at walked back to my parents' house like mm-hmm. two hours across town into suburban. I grew up in an amazing home. Like my parents are, they still like hold hands and shit. Like they're, you know, <laughs> like they're, 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 they're still together. They're still happy. They've been married for God, like 35 years and more than that, like almost 40 years. And they're, and they're, they're like, they've always supported anything I've done. And same with my, my brother's a magician and I toured with punk bands. Like, pretty supportive parents, you know? <laughs> and so I got home and, I, and my dad's like, what's going on? I was like, Oh, you know, we just fought all these Nazis. And he's like, that's heavy. Like, be careful. You know, like I get brought home by the cops and my friends were smoking weed in a, you know, a half built house. And, and it was like, what, where are you going to give this kid shit for? He's not doing drugs. And I took everything and made it a positive. And so I think that being a bad kid, quote unquote, and like a shithead and a shit disturber, and turning it into good, I never felt like it was bad. I never, I never felt like fist fights were like a bad thing. Cause I'd be, you know, I'd see a guy hit a girl on the street and I'd kick the shit out of him with a friend. And it was like, that's bad. You know, like mm-hmm. a guy, like that's insane that I got away with all that stuff. Like being at a, my band was playing at a club in London on new year's and a dude smashed a window on a female friend of ours. And we put him and four of his friends in the hospital. And it's like, in my head at the time, I'm like, this is good. This is not a bad thing. If I, what would I have done if I had to stand before a judge and say, no, 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 man. Like he broke a window on a girl cause he was trying to get her to take her pants off. Like, right. th- you know, like th- that's, it's not a, th- I, it's a shitty thought process. And maybe it is worse that I think like that. But for me to, 
to beat up a neo-Nazi or to beat up like a, a guy, you know, disrespecting a woman or a, a dude. I lived with a gay dude in Kitchener who would walk through the park where oh, there was like a huge problem in Victoria Park with gay bashing and dudes would jump out of the, the, the bush. And I, grew, I, I lived with this guy who was like a, a bodybuilder and he was tough as nails. He was a martial arts guy too. And he was walking through with his boyfriend and these guys jumped out and he put one of them in a coma. And I was like, that's the best. Like, this is awesome. You know, like this is, it was the, the, I think the cover of the paper was like queers bash back or something like that. Like great. Like headline. just, just, it, it was so heavy. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, like yeah. this guy's proud to be, you know, tough and, and not putting up with shit and not, you know, and I, I saw nothing wrong with that. This, this dude's in a coma, yeah. but I don't care because he's a shitty dude. Do you think that this need to protect people and to take care of people in all these ways, um, is that because, you know, you got bullied? Did you, did you, do you, do you you feel what people feel? Is that what it comes from? And I have no, I had nobody to Mm -hmm. tell me, like, you know, my dad would have stuck up for me, but I wasn't going to tell him like, dude, I'm getting fucking beat up all the time. He, he could tell I was bombed and that was when he realized I needed to fight back. But like. I did you did you learn like did you actually learn to fight? I mean, you did it with some Muay Thai, but I mean that was way way later. I did yeah. as a kid. I did judo, right. but it was like you learn how to throw somebody to the ground. I was like, no, I'm just gonna walk up and hit somebody. Like I'm gonna so walk. You just up figured and, it out. Yeah, and 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 then I got a reputation for it because you're, you're not built to run, but you're built. Yeah, to punch. There you go. I could punch somebody in the face, but no, it was like you know, even in the hardcore scene, you see a guy, you know, doing something shitty at a show, and you have to check him because it was like. I'm at a punk rock show and this guy is, you know, Nazis would come into shows and we'd have to get him out. Or, you know, there was a guy who, who on a message board called some girl, uh, at the N bomb. And he, his name was, uh, Boston Brian or something. And this is like 2002. And I walked up to him at the show and I was like, Hey, are you Boston Brian? And he's like, Yeah. And I grabbed him by the throat and I just started pounding his face in. And I was like, leave Toronto and don't ever come back. And he's like, what the fuck? And I was like, never use those words. You're a piece of shit. And I thought that was totally fine. And that's not cool. Like, that's not, that's no way to deal with the situation. I was a grown ass man and I was doing that. Like, that wasn't that long ago. I was in my 20s. I knew better. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, get these people out. I, I don't want, there's too many shitty people. Now you see this like, man, what I wouldn't give to go to a Trump rally with just like a whippersnipper and you know, like it's, <laughs> it's crazy to think that there's so many shitty people like openly shitty. Yeah. And, and it like, it really bums me out to think that. And, and maybe I'm lucky in that I surround myself, you know, whether it be the gym or, or my shop, like I don't, that shit doesn't fly around me. I don't, you know, you're hard pressed. I don't have any American friends who would vote for Trump. I don't have, anybody that thinks that racism is okay or that all Muslims should be, you know, banned or that like, you know, being gay is wrong. It's like, that's so archaic in thinking that maybe it was the way I was raised. Maybe it was the, the music scene that I surrounded myself with that continued those values. But I don't, I don't have that in me to, to like surround myself with, I have no, I have very low bullshit tolerance. And so I think that being in a very sort of open-minded leftist thinking for the most part, um, community, I think it's kind of like maybe made me think that those actions weren't 
bad. So being a bad kid didn't, you know? Well, I think when you, when you grow up somewhere and you see obvious, uh, injustices that aren't taken care of, right? Like yeah. not every, the cops don't patrol that shit. Right. Like, and, and I mean, you t- you got to take matters sometimes in your own hands yeah. and, and you know, that's, that's what, you know, there's overtones here of community and just taking care of your own community yeah. and these principles of honor and loyalty. And I mean, not everyone understands them anymore, but you know, we, that's what kind of holds us together. Right? Old school values. And, right. and I think that that, like, that's what flipped hockey for me. I, I like hockey now mm-hmm. because I met a dude cutting his hair who is a hockey enforcer. And I related to him because his role on the ice was protecting his friends. Mm-hmm. And I value that so much that his, his job is my life. Like I, I really looked at that as like, that's my role. That's my duty. That's these are, this is something that I want to do to at all costs, no matter what, that's how I'm going to conduct my life. And if I get in trouble for it, so what, yeah. you know, like I, I, I don't think it's wrong. It's not wrong. And I, and I mean, maybe that's an insane way to think too, because I'm sure a lot of those Nazis don't think they're wrong. I'm sure they think that somewhere along the line, somebody pounded some thought into his head. That's like, Hey man, you know, everybody should be white. Um, yeah. that's the karate guy downstairs kicking the wall. Yeah. It's funny. As you said, pounding, literally pounding started. That's so. a guy kicking a wall. That's the cry. <laughs> Legitimately. Um, so we got sound effects. You know, sound effect. Um, but yeah, like, like I think that that's, that's the scary thing is that, I mean, I've never gone to jail. Yeah. I've had run-ins with the cops and always kind of managed to weasel my way out. But I, I think that I, you know, as a grown ass man in my thirties, it's been a long time since I've punched anybody. And, and I don't plan on doing it anytime. What, uh, what's the worst you've ever gotten beat up? Oh my God. Uh, I was living in Los Angeles, and I I was uh, working for a band, a big band, and uh, they had, I don't even want to admit who it was, they had a problem with another big band that was kind of like passe already, like they had, you know, they were kind of a laughing stock, and they started beef with these guys, and and we went to a, a party for this thing called the Benchwarmer Girls, which was like some rich guy decided to make hot girl trading cards. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This party full of babes. And so we went and um, I had just got, had my hair cut and dyed by a girl that I thought I was going to date and totally played me. And so I had the dumbest looking hair in the world. And I was like wearing a hat. And, uh, and we walked in to this party and on our way in we saw the guy from the, the rival band on the way out and I said to my friend Nick I was like man we should go after him now because he's going to come back and and it's not going to be good and Nick's like no man you didn't hear the beef is squashed everything's done and I was like okay but I got a really bad feeling about this and so we were in the party and that dude came back in with four guys who it turned out were the first wave of UFC fighters. There was a guy named Gator, and uh, I don't remember the other guy's names, but massive, crazy dude. The, the one dude got out of jail three days before we found out after. <laughs> and so he walked in and he grabbed the guy, my friend, by the, the, the chain around his neck and he ripped it off. And I, I should have just hit him, but I got between him. And I got, right when I, when I touched him, I got a bottle smashed on my head and um, Nick had a bottle smashed in his face and I threw my friend Joel to the floor and um, he went after the, the, the guy that 
started with him and uh without even seeing who was hitting me i had my top teeth put through my top lip my bottom teeth through my bottom lip my nose broken uh just repeated punches to my face so when my nose broke my eyes teared up and i couldn't see anything and so the this the guy from the other band had bleach blonde hair so i just remember seeing blonde and i swung and just kept punching the back of his head and he was so coked out and roided out that he didn't feel anything and so his head was now red and blonde and i was thrown to the i I got picked up by the back of my pants and my neck and thrown like a rag doll across the room and i'm like to throw me is like i was probably smaller than i am now but um I flew like nothing. Still about two oh something. I I think I was like one eighty. Okay. Like one sixty, one eighty, and I kicked a girl in the face on the way by. Hit her right off her feet. I landed on the corner of the bar. Took the whole bar out. It was one of those portable bars. Glass smashed everywhere. The guy came over, laid down beside me, wrapped his legs around me, and just pounded me in the face while choking me. And I found out that he was literally trying to kill me. And um. And so the the fight that was erupting over there, like on the side of the room, was Nick and another guy. Two he had two guys on him. I had two guys on me. Joel was that had already been split up. So bouncers got him. The bouncers literally like tapped the guy's shoulder, like "Hey, get off him." I was out cold, like blacked right out. And uh, so I kind of came to, and I was just I remember looking up and seeing cameras everywhere, and I think they thought I was the drummer from the band that I was with. So they thought it was a big deal. And I remember taking pieces of my lips and throwing them at, like, just, like, spitting blood at everybody. And my whole, my nose is crooked. My whole face is swollen immediately. I had cut on my head from a bottle. And um, and I'm just, like, totally, like, trying to figure out where I am. The whole room is spinning. So we get out to the car, and I'm, my whole face, like, my lips were, like, hanging off. I was just a mess. And I was bleeding all over the place. And so I took my shirt off and I, I'm like holding it on my face trying to stop the bleeding. And we went to a, a grocery store and I, I'm waiting. For some reason, they made me go in. Nick was a mess. Nick, his whole face was, his nose was way worse than mine. He had a bottle broken in his face. And uh, and so we we get to the hospital or we get to the, the grocery store and I'm waiting in line. There's one checkout open because it's like two in the morning. And uh, I'm standing there with two bags of frozen peas and two bottles of water <laughs> and I'm holding one on my face and I look at the girl behind the counter and I can hear like the shitty grocery store music and it's like everybody's looking at me like what is going on and I it's taking too long and I'm getting really frustrated and scared somebody's going to call the cops so I put a hundred bucks on the on the like conveyor belt and I was like it's peas and water <laughs> and I like walked out and I got into the car we went to the hospital and we got fixed up and then they gave me the bill, which I was like, what? This is a hospital. And they're like, welcome to America. And it was, my bill was 3600 bucks, and Nick's was like <laughs> like 48 or something it like that. It doesn't sound too bad, actually. It was, yeah. Well, the, the doctor, his brother played in, remember that band Switchfoot? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His they're brother. Like Christian. Yeah, yeah. Christian surf, surf band. band. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so his brother was like, you guys just played a festival with my brother. And I was like okay cool and he's like i was like can we get a deal for that and he's like i'll see if i can any like rework the bill <laughs> and nick took home the 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 nurse and then but but i'll never forget like all those cameras the video was on perez hilton the next day the video of me getting my face just bashed in it's since been taken down because i looked for it the other day which is 
a relief. Um, but my like my mom saw it and like yeah. it was bad. And I've never had my face like I've never not seen the person punching me. And I I I couldn't have picked them out of a line. I ended up knowing a dude who was like Snoop Dogg's personal security who took me to a club and made all those guys apologize to me and I almost if I had any food in me I would have just just shit my pants because I was so scared when I re- when I saw them and figured out who they were he's like these are the guys that jumped you he made them apologize I was so scared that he was setting me up and I, that was when I realized that LA was not the safest place mm-hmm. and like it was you know my first weekend there I saw a gun immediately and that was scary but this was like I was brutally beaten and didn't even stand a chance I, I punched one guy of the four that jumped me and that was the worst I'd been beat up ever you told me a crazy thing about LA and uh, you know hip hop artists who have to come to LA and and you know pay off pay, the, pay for uh, protection pay for protection yeah yeah yeah, you're you're like a crazy encyclopedia of shit that well, I, funny, I didn't even it's, know it's existed. Funny, the guy that we but, called when that whole thing happened. But but to explain more about it. Like, what is this thing? Well, the guy that we, we found this out because the guy that we called when that happened, we got to the car and we called him and we were like, "Hey, this guy was like, I don't I don't want to say his name, but he he yeah. was like a, a a real heavy over there." And I called him and I was like, "Hey, like you told us if we ever needed anything to call you." And I don't know why he didn't extort us for it i think he like realized that we weren't in that world and he had somebody go and tell the guys that jumped us that they screwed up really bad and i don't i think the guy wasn't allowed to leave his house for a month or three months or something crazy and and uh and he he's a guy that's so powerful that suge knight kisses his pinky ring whenever he sees him like he's legit and so somebody explained it to us like you know if you go down there and you're from atlanta or um, we ran into, at an award show once, we ran into Petey Pablo. Remember that North yep. Carolina guy? Yep. Um, and uh, and he was with Suge Knight as his protection. And basically it's like, if you're a rapper and you're there, it's like free game to, to go after somebody. And, you know, you basically have to like pick a side. You know, you're, you're paying off the bloods of the Crips. And that's, you know, that's, if you're, if you're in that game, if you're, if that's your thing, like, I don't know about dudes like like if if Bieber has like a like because he kind of tries to hang out with that shit right. like he you know I I'm I'm sure other Canadian rap celebrities probably do Showered based it, on yeah. who they're <laughs> who they've aligned themselves with and that's you know but it's a weird thing for sure. But it's crazy to think about you know coming from Toronto where you don't have to deal with any of that stuff that yeah. every time you go to well, pretty modern city, yeah. right? Major city that, uh, as an artist, you got to actually think about paying off, you know, this or that side of a, of yeah. a gang, just just so to, you know you can do your thing and stay alive. Yeah, and and I mean, I, like, I think it's also like, as weird as it sounds, it's like kind of ba- they're not going to go after like, you know, somebody on like a like Shad, you know, right. like a like a a conscious. Quasi underground rapper who doesn't look like he's got a lot of money. But if but if you, but if you're like you know approaching some kind of you know gangster rap or something, if you want to be tough, if you want to be tough, you got to you prove got, it. You right? got to prove it. And prove and it. I mean, I would be curious as to a kid like like there's that new kid Jazz Cartier in Toronto who I think is awesome. Like I hate rap these days; it's bumming me out. But this kid's rad. He like his stage performance is is amazing, and his his like 
his stuff isn't it's got like tough undertones but he's not a tough guy he's like a little dude yeah and i'd be curious to see if somebody takes advantage of that when he goes down there like the weekend that guy's got money i'm sure somebody's getting it out of him i i know he is i know somebody yeah. is you know it's like i'm i'm curious about that stuff and i always wonder about it and i know some some kind of players in that world that can like break it down a little bit more but it's yeah that's weird well i'm asking because it's such an interesting thing to again think about these old codes they're not you know they're not in the books they're not law but they exist yeah they're kind of invisible but if you break them yeah clearly you're gonna suffer the consequences we're saying this on the day that this is the anniversary of biggie getting killed right today you know and 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 that was a what's your theory on that by the way i mean the same dude we were just talking about I, you know like bieber yeah yeah bieber did it um i don't even think he was alive then um i you know i mean i think like it was it was a lot of that it was like who wasn't getting paid and i i mean you hear rumors of like the cops did it and the cops set it up and they you know all that stuff or like suge knight this or whatever like you know the fact that like I've heard stuff about, you know, what happened to Tupac just the same. And it's like, oh, well, I guess, you know, when your number's up, if you're not, you know, if you're in, if you're somewhere else and you're not, you don't have the right protection, that probably like was the peak of all that stuff. Right. You know, like was because Pac went sooner and then, and then and earlier and then, and then uh, Biggie was down there and it was like retaliation. But, you know, I heard a theory the other day that, that that uh, Diddy had Pac killed, and then you know the West Coast guys had Biggie killed for, as retaliation. It was like that was you you took our big guy, we're taking yours, and I'm sure that's that theory's been like thrown out a million times. But I think it was like you can only you, that protection only goes so far. It's just extortion at that point. What's mm-hmm. what's protection really? I have friends who do protection for people, and that's watching it. It's like that's basically what it is you know so now you know you're, you're about to leave for a trip to la and and you're the protection <laughs> <laughs> so nice uh, nice segue into what you're gonna do next week um yeah mike Kropika asked me we we're hanging out one day and he's like hey we're, we're putting together a team for the speed project and i had seen the speed project you know i'd heard it talked about and i was like oh man that's awesome you guys are gonna kill it and he's like, yeah, we want, we want you on the team. And I was like, Mike, like, you know, I'd do anything for you. Like all due respect, I will only slow you down. I don't have the legs for it. I'm, I'm not fast. I'm, I don't, I can't even come close to that distance. Like I'm never going to do another marathon. This is like two and a quarter marathons that each person's going to run. You know, I'll explain the race in a second. And Mike's like, no, 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 no. We want you to drive the RV. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. You know, like <laughs> that's, that makes sense. And so the Speed Project is this race that starts on the Santa Monica Pier, and it ends on the Vegas Strip. And it's through the desert. It's like a forty-eight. I think the I think the record is forty-one hours. And so you're expected to finish within forty-eight hours. And um, <clears throat> and so it's this totally insane race that you have a, a relay team of six people and then uh a minimum of two support and i i like i said i like to protect my friends and then i heard rumblings of like oh there's like meth heads that'll rob your rv 
So I was like, cool, I get to bring a taser. And then, I, and then it was like, <laughs> the, like this is the thing, too. It's like, hopefully there'll be some racists. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I, I hope, definitely hope there's no not. race. Uh, yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, ra- racers. <laughs> Different um, kind, yeah. Yeah, so, so we're, uh, you know, we're going to be on this thing. And, and they're like, oh, there's also like stray dogs. And you have to bring pepper spray in case one of the dogs attacks you. And I was like, I could beat a meth head with a bat. But I, there's no way I could pepper spray a dog. If I, like, I am, my dog is like my, I like my dog more than I like any human. Like, I I could not even think about, if a dog's going to bite me, I'm going to try to pet it, you know? Like, <laughs> I do not want to pepper spray a dog. But if a dog's going to, you know, bite Matt or, or, you know, Jenny or Jess or any of those guys, like I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna spray with pepper spray. So I'm gonna be on this in this RV and myself and JP, um, who I think is a really cool dynamic. I really like JP. I, I'm he like fascinates me. He's a nurse and he's like yeah. he's a smart dude. And I and I I'm excited to like you know work alongside him because I've only ever known him to run a little bit with with and and uh, the whole team is like everybody's their own character and it's it's a shame that there's not a film crew coming because truthfully like each person brings something unique to the team i feel like i'm except for fighting off methods with tasers i'm probably dead weight i can i can drive and i can stay up late and that's cool but um it's going to be interesting to to see like you know jenny seow is is our like project coordinator and she's a better tour manager than I ever was. <laughs> she never did it, you know. Like she's she's like broken down legs and distances and all this, all the math stuff. And uh, you know, talking to Mango Peeler, who's like a complete monster in the running game. He might just do the whole thing himself. Well, I was thinking that. I was yeah. like, man, this guy runs fifty k for fun. Yeah. To dick around on a Saturday, I'm like, just just do half it, dude. Like you could, you know, that's. That's no problem. Each person's supposed to run 90K. He could probably do twice that. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting thing, and I'm excited to, to do it. I'm going to go down there early, and i gotta I got to pick up a bunch of stuff. Like I got a buddy with who owns a bunch of drug rehab centers, and I'm going to borrow some – borrow. I'm going to uh, get some IV bags from him um, so we can, everybody can replenish fluids. And obviously JP will administer that because if I see a needle, I'll black out. Um, and then – Again, always a fascinating – thing about you because you've literally spent like half your life <laughs> under a needle with all your tattoos i'm a total sissy with yeah. needles it's that's a different needle though and we all know <laughs> that's like a scratch but uh but then but then you know like like we're gonna have an atv and so i got really excited and then i started to hear rumblings about other teams and we have one rv six runners to support that's a total of eight people today i heard there's a team with 15 people and i was like holy shit should we have 15 people like what is what's going on here? Like what you know, um, there's another team from Toronto. They have five support people. That's either I hope for their sake they're in two RVs because you know eleven people in an RV is heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, having known having toured a long time in close yeah, quarters you know with life. a lot of dudes and people stink and whatever, especially when you're running. But but like you know, seeing that it's like okay, well, this is gonna be totally nuts to. That, like it all lies on me and JP and you know what I think I kind of like our approach too because it's like it's like the punk rock like do it yourself mentality of like okay our whole team has to chip in with some of the driving our whole team has to chip in with like you know you man the walkie talkie make sure this runner's 
cool while I sleep for an hour. You know, like I'm I'm excited to see everybody step up to the plate because we're all a bunch of people that are so awesome at just like helping each other and like the, the Parkdale Roadrunners have been like a family for for so many people and like kept so many people motivated and so seeing all these people like man we had a we had a meeting at Courtney's house the other day he's obviously running and uh he made tacos for everybody like it was nothing I swear to God, it's the best tacos I've ever had in Canada. And I'm like, the guy's an amazing chef. And so last night I saw him at the run, I was like, we should probably have a meeting at your house every day until the race. And he's like, oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I, I'm I'm excited to kind of see everybody shine. I'm a little worried now thinking, like, maybe we should have one more person. I know there was talk. I don't know what happened with you not coming. I thought I that was like a given. I was like, man, this is going to be the best. Um, I think I'm too expensive. That's the problem. I would pay for your <laughs> ticket to come down and me not have to drive that much. We'll but do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I'm I'm really excited to spend the time with with these people. And I like I'm in no shape to run. I'll I might get 20k out this weekend. Mm. Like maybe. But I do want to run some of that to say I like absolutely ran a leg in Death Valley alongside some of my running heroes. Mm. You know mm. like. I don't think we're nobody's trying to win the race. We're just trying to finish and kind of the same mentality that I, you know, had with with Chicago for these guys is like just do it to do it and to say you did it and it's such a gnarly like there's like it's like three hundred and forty miles, like forty eight hours. There's like they're showing a map of like, you know, runner and, emerges from storm drain. Yeah, and it's it's in the desert, so it gets you know, the weather swings from plus thirty to minus ten. Yeah. It's like that's nuts in itself. So you have to bring like cold weather running gear and warm stuff. And so we're trying to like plan, do we do two chunks of three? So like runners one, two, and three go one, two, three, one, two, three, and then four, five, six, four, five, six to give everybody longer sleeping time. And I thought that made the most sense until somebody was like, no, because then one, two, three will only run in the day and four, Mm -hmm. five, six will only run at night. And that sucks for people who want to change it up. It's like guess i didn't think about that that's you know i like i would only want to run at night i do not run well in the heat and so if i you know if that person needs some support at night and i'm not going to do it on the mountain bike or the atv maybe i'll get to run a little bit at night through like some straight shot through the desert but seeing some of the terrain is like it's scary snakes i hate snakes i don't want to be anywhere near snakes and so you know like these are all realities that you know we're gonna face and the other team from toronto has some like awesome people that you know that i know and, re- and really respect and really like and i'm excited to like you know talk to them through the whole thing and uh we're bringing jackie beal um i think she's shooting photos pretty much for herself uh and then when i when i finish that race like i'm going down sunday i have a few days before to kind of get prepped catch up with some friends and then the race will be like kind of essentially three days and then i'm like i'm not staying for the pool party i'm driving the rv back to la because jackie doesn't want to be in vegas and i have to fly to winnipeg at 6 a.m the next day um to learn how to fight on ice skates (laughs) so i'm gonna get you know i'm gonna hang out with a buddy in winnipeg who was a professional hockey player and he and as you know and he's like he's become a very close friend and I, i i have been challenged by my apprentice at the shop to a fist fight and maybe skills competition because I can't I don't think if we are going to do the charity thing I don't think you can bill it as like a fist fight I think it has to be like <laughs> skills competition and one of the skills is fighting 
Um, I don't care if I score any goals. I just think it'll be funny to fight on skates. And uh, and so I'm going to learn how to skate in Winnipeg for like two days and then come home. But it's going to be a insane weekend of everything. But um, the speed project is terrifying to think about, you know? It's, it's funny that in all the things you've been through, that's the most terrifying. Man. Not not getting into yeah, a, like, a hockey fight on skates. I, the, 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 the idea of like <laughs> of that much distance running and witnessing yeah. that and like I think it, it, it's it's going to be more than just like driving the RV to the next spot and picking yeah. the person up or bringing somebody water. There's going to be like like serious mental support because mm-hmm. I know that if I was doing that, I'd be so emotional. I'd be I'd be a total mess with like self doubt and like exhaustion and like it's gonna be heavy to watch these people who yeah are we all know are like fast as shit like I, this these are six of the fastest people that I know and they're gonna hit walls they're gonna they're gonna feel pain they're gonna they're gonna be exhausted some of them are running Boston in a couple of months it's like these are like. It's pretty cool. We know some great people. Yeah, man. Right? And like, just total inspirations. Because yeah. I, I will never have that distance in me. I don't ever have another. I don't know if I ever have another marathon in me. Like, well, to think yeah. of running ninety until, until I ask you to do one. Yeah, though. or make me do one. <laughs> if, 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 to think of running ninety k over two days. Yeah, that's bananas. Like, and I bet if somebody challenged you to do it, yeah. you in a heartbeat you would. Let's do it right now. No, no way. <laughs> Somebody's gonna tell you you can't do an ultra marathon and you're gonna just push it. Well, our, our good, you know, our friend Mr. Hawaii uh, is is pretty much getting me there. So it's it, it might happen this year. We'll see. Oh. And again, I know, you know, again, life's a crazy thing. I never thought I would, you know, run more than run more than uh, across the street, and and here we are. So we both have had really long days, and yeah. um, this isn't work. This is this is fun, even though you know yeah. it's kind of work. But before we got to go, and I know you're hungry. <laughs> always, <laughs> always. Um, when exactly did your fascination and obsession with Tracy Morgan begin? Can you, can you just, um, I, I, I met him before I, I'd seen him on Saturday Night Live and I th- thought he was like funny and I was, I was working, uh, for a band and the singer was also a producer and there was a band called the Use. They were like a screamo band in the early two yeah. thousands. And, um, they were playing um, Conan O'Brien, the Conan O'Brien show, and so this we were on tour. And we were we were in New York on the same weekend, and uh, and they were like, "Can you mix the show?" And John, John, the singer of the band I was with, was like, "Yeah, no problem. Let's let's I'll, I'll mix the show," which I don't remember how it sounded, but I don't think a, a a producer like a record producer should do live TV sound because that's like a that's like a whole other beast. Any anyway, we we get we get into the Thirty Rockefeller Building. And which is like Saturday Night Live, Conan. There's like a million NBC shows yeah, in there. And, Thirty and, Rock. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, Thirty <laughs> Rock. Now, yeah. Um, and so, but long before Thirty Rock. And uh, and we're, it's John and myself in the elevator, and and we have our like visitor name tags on, and the elevator like operator, and he's just standing there, and um, we we walk in the elevator, and Tracy Morgan walks in and immediately turns around like almost like goose steps around and is like a foot from the door that closes in front of his face and and he's staring at the door just staring dead straight and John and I are each in one of the back corners 
and I'm like trying to get John's attention without making noise. I'm like trying to motion that, you know, like that. I know this guy, this guy's hilarious, you know? And, and so, um, he, John's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like that, you know, and he looks at the guy and he doesn't recognize me. He's like, I don't know who you're talking about. And so obviously I've made some noise and I'm going to use a word here that I would never, ever use. Um, but it's in context cause it's Tracy Morgan. And so he's, staring at the wall and we're going up to whatever floor we're going to and he goes i know what you're thinking and i was like i was like oh shit like what did i make you know i got busted and he goes it's the nigger from saturday night live and he says it in like his like total white guy voice and i was like no 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 i'm not, I'm not thinking that i would never say that. no 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 and he's like he's like i know man i'm hilarious and i was like yeah, you're, you're funny. I just, I, I would never say that. And and he just kind of makes this like weird, like ah, laugh to himself. The door opens. He gets off the elevator. I'm like, be red. I'm like, I'm looking at the elevator guy. Like, I'm not thinking that, man. Like, don't, you know. And he looks up at the, at the number of the floor he goes. And he goes, oh, shit, wrong floor again. And he walks down the hall. Like, he doesn't care. He doesn't get back on the elevator. He walks down the hall. And John, the elevator door closed. John's like, who was that guy? And I was like, that was the funniest thing I've ever experienced because I'm totally speechless now. Like I don't, you know, and then I, I looked him up and I was like, it's Tracy Morgan. And, and I started seeing him in stuff. And I, I, um, I read, I read articles and magazines with him. I found out he was like a, like a hair model and like the posters for like, you know, what haircut do you yeah, want at the yeah. barbershop? I get the number four. And, yeah. And, and I was like, you know, I, I'd see his, his, I actually haven't read his autobiography, which is insane. Yeah. And I should totally do that. But anything, anytime, your birthday, I'll get that for you. Uh, anytime I tried to like, anytime I saw him, he was going to be around. I saw a stand up, and I, I'm like, I'm fascinated with him. I, my goal in life is to have him and not to take away from your role. I want him to be my life coach. I want to be able to be like, Hey, Tracy, here's my phone number. Give me yours. I just want to text you for advice. I just want to be like, hey, man, my wife's mad at me. What do I do? Or like, hey, should I get <laughs> raspberry or strawberry Pop-Tarts? Or like, you know. What would we say? Because I, I, I feel like he would have this crazy in-depth thing. I, I told a producer of one of his TV shows this once, and the guy was like, it's scary that he would be 100% into that. He would, he's the character that would like, he would think he was genuinely helping you by doing it. And I was like, that, that's, that's all I want. I like, I, at first my goal was like, I'm going to get a photo of me and him with those shirts on. Cause it would be super funny and I would blow it up life size and put it on my wall. But I want to, I want Tracy Morgan to be my life coach and I won't bug him a lot. I'm not going to text him every day. I want, you know, if, want, if you're listening, Tracy, Mor- Tracy I'm sure Morgan, you will be. if you're listening, this is probably your demographic, this podcast, please just call me and we can talk about you being my life coach because I think that it's, it's, I have this weird connection that I look at him and I'm like, I will be a better person if I'm around you <laughs> at all in any facet and you'll make me make better or worse life decisions, but it, my life will be funnier. Well, I find it funny that he might've had something to do with you becoming a barber because he was that hair model. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Maybe that was like the, uh, I'd never cut his hair though. I wouldn't do it. I feel like I, I could. He's I, too nervous. I just, I, w- I wouldn't know what to do. I would be like, I don't want to, I, if I screw one hair up off your head, I'll, for, I will think about it for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I would put him in somebody else's, my shop's chair and I would sit across and talk to him and just grill him. Just for hang advice. out. Just be like, man, you know, 
what what do you think is this shirt stupid or like, <laughs> you know, like just get his get his honest honest advice because he's like yeah he's my spirit animal i think <laughs> you know what i'm, I'm not jealous <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I hope i've got some not. work to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right man <laughs> that, that, was, that two hours ish just flew sorry by. i talk a lot i I know. I go for it. Fuck, um, man. So do I. I was like happy to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this has been ten thousand cuts. Haircuts. Haircuts. You want? Oh yeah, you wanted that. Uh, you wanted that. You can have it if you want. Oh, I'm not even mad. Oh, I didn't even realize that that would apply. I was like, oh fuck, that is a good name for you. Can have it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it. All right. See you later. Okay.